Welcome to Empires of Eve. My name is Andrew Gruen. This episode is the first in a two-part series called The Great Northern War. It's sort of a sequel to the first story arc that we did in this show, The Venal Civil War. There are a lot of recurring characters, and if you haven't listened to that series yet, you'll end up missing some of the context here. But in general, we'll try to fill in or remind you of that context whenever possible. This is The Great Northern War, Part 1, Forsaken Empire. I thought to myself, you know, Andrew, you could write a whole book about just the Great Northern War. Jade had this idea that she wanted to make Venal a free zone. It was Pirate City downtown, okay? Therein lies the spark that ignited the Great Northern War. Before we really get started here, I want to take a moment to address something in the story that we're about to get into. And what I want to talk about is a matter of scale. To me, it's very important to understand that this story takes place on a totally different scale than the Venal Civil War, even though it's going to take place less than a year afterward. So the largest battles of the Venal Civil War era were still largely skirmishes between a few dozen people total. Uh, 15 players per side was usually considered a pretty major battle back then, and it's easy to understand why. You know, this was 2003, and we talked about remembering the era of the internet that this takes place in. 15 players per side sounds minuscule to players of modern EVE Online, but in 2003, if you told somebody that you fought in a 30-person multiplayer battle, they might not have even believed you. Even today, games that support 15 versus 15 game modes are kind of rare and exceedingly difficult to make. Now consider that these battles weren't pre-arranged inside of EVE Online, but were actually organically occurring in the EVE sandbox. It's a really amazing thing to think about. And I want you to try to keep that in mind later when we start digging into the climactic turning points of this story. In the last story, the large battles were between about 30 total players, but in this story, only a year later, we'll see battles between 300 players. And it warrants an explanation as to why that is. What could cause these organizations to be able to increase their ability to fight by 10 times in only a year? And there are a few different explanations which all sort of feed into this overall effect. And the first is the simple fact that EVE had been out a longer time and the number of players in EVE Online had been growing, which is pretty intuitive, I think. The other fact that I think was playing into this was that players who had been playing the game since 2003 were much more confident in 2004. Some of the ordinary people who were scared of getting hijacked by pirates in 2003 were grizzled mercenaries by now. After a year of trying to figure out how to survive and defend themselves in EVE Online, a lot of those pilots had done that and had figured out how to become proper soldiers. And as those players grew in confidence, they wanted to experience the kind of gameplay that they were reading about on the forums as described by people like Jade Constantine who weaved such a compelling tale for people that they started coming out into the Nullsec regions to experience this grand drama that was being described for them. So more and more individuals started looking to join corporations that held power in the Nullsec territories. And also, remember how we talked about how Taggart Transdimensional had joined the Venal Alliance to become their mining operation? That kind of thing was happening all over EVE Online. 
military groups that owned territory in Nullsec started forming partnerships with these very large industrial alliances that were focused on profit and manufacturing and mining. And so what happened is when the fleet commanders of these military alliances would put out a call into the alliance chat for pilots to fight in a battle, there was now suddenly a huge pool of people who could join the fleet. But they weren't all exactly combat pilots, and so they had a huge amount of firepower, but the big challenge of a fleet like that is keeping it orderly because not everybody has been properly trained. And so the numbers of people involved in these battles and in these fleets is going to rise significantly from where it was just a year earlier. And this story picks up just a few months after the Venal Civil War is wrapped up. And, you know, uh, Taggart Transdimensional has been kicked out of the North, and peace has been made between the New Venal Alliance and Evolution. And the New Venal Alliance has gone looking for people to take Taggart's place. And, in general, the huge publicity that Jade Constantine created around Evolution's invasion, and the civil war they were fighting against Ragnar Daniskild and his corporation Taggart Transdimensional. It was such a wonderful story that the New Vino Alliance became a really well-known group and they welcomed in a bunch of new corporations as members to take Taggart Transdimensional's place. Nearly a dozen new corporations joined the New Vino Alliance, but the most important were the corporations Oberon Incorporated, Rona Corporation, Cyberdyne Industries, and a group called Terra Nova. And the New Vino Alliance is a democracy, and so when they welcome all of these new groups into the Alliance, they take a new vote on who's going to be the leader. And the leader is going to be this guy named Halseth Dern. And he's the head of an extremely powerful and wealthy corporation that I just mentioned, called Oberon Incorporated. And even though Jade Constantine isn't the leader of this organization, she does maintain a post as their PR representative. So she's going to be serving as essentially the mouthpiece of the organization as a whole. Jade Constantine is now the voice of the New Venal Alliance, and she's going to continue to issue those kinds of propaganda reports from the front lines. But it's important to remember that not everybody in the EVE Online community enjoyed Jade Constantine's habit of sort of moral grandstanding and trying to shame certain high-level people in the community. And a, a lot of people started to hate her. And Jade ends up becoming so reviled by a certain sect of players that a group of pirates gets together and declares war against the New Venal Alliance, specifically to shut up Jade Constantine. And so the New Venal Alliance gets their fleet together to meet the pirate invasion, and Jade Constantine and her corporation Jericho Fraction are there, and a bunch of the new corporations have sent people as well. And just as the first battle between these two forces, the New Venal Alliance and the Pirate Alliance, begins, and the guns begin to fire, one of those new corporations that had just joined the New Vinal Alliance switched their targets and began firing on New Vinal Alliance ships. They betrayed the New Vinal Alliance in the middle of the battle and helped the pirates destroy their fleet. The corporation, which was called Terra Nova, switches sides and joins the pirates. And the New Vinal Alliance as a whole is stunned by this. And a huge argument heats up in the wake of this sort of disastrous defeat. And that argument is fairly one-sided. And the reason for that has a lot to do with who is actually in charge of the New Vinal Alliance right now. Jade Constantine is the public face of the organization, but she's not actually pulling the strings. The leader is Halseth Dern, a guy who I don't actually think had a very long history in the Alliance. He had goals of his own and for his own corporation that were different from the old Vinal Alliance, and he was trying to lead them in a new direction. And Halseth Dern's sort of main 
character trait is that he was a diplomat. He wanted to unite the alliances of the Northern Territories in a grand peaceful alliance to protect themselves against the rest of EVE Online. And so these squabbles like the pirate invasion really bothered him because to him it was infighting. It was Northerners fighting Northerners, and he wanted to turn all of the Northern Territories into a single massive alliance. But Halseth Dern has one quality that makes him somewhat unique in this time, and that quality was a certain sympathy that he seems to have had for pirates. And so when the pirates invade to shut up Jade Constantine, and Terra Nova betrays the Alliance to shut up Jade, Halseth Dern decides that the most diplomatic course of action is to fire Jade Constantine and to command that she stop issuing press releases on behalf of the Alliance. And when I learned this information, when I learned this part of the story, I got all revved up for like a really good Jade Constantine rant about how about the injustice of all of this. But very uncharacteristically of Jade, she actually graciously accepts this decision against her, and she agrees to step down as the PR person for the New Venal Alliance. And I've seen statements from people on both sides of this conflict who agreed that she accepted this decision with grace as a way to heal the rift that she saw was forming in the North. There was all this tension in the North because pirates were invading and trying to split the Alliance down the middle and Terra Nova had betrayed them. And she began worrying that the entire Alliance could suffer as a result if she didn't step down. And I'll read you her resignation letter now, not because the information contained in the address is particularly noteworthy, but partially just because it's amazing that we even have this speech at all anymore. And, and this is just one more way of kind of trapping it in amber and preserving it. Jade Constantine said, quote, Effective immediately, I wish to announce my formal resignation from the post of public relations representative for the new Venal Alliance. Of the reasons for my resignation, I will say only this, that it had become clear that my many enemies and stalkers in the sphere of public debate were making practical dissemination of useful information near impossible. Such indeed is the hatred of my face and voice in some quarters that any words I spoke were immediately drowned out by raucous cries of brute antithesis. I wish all the best, of course, to the New Venal Alliance and the corporations so joined in glorious camaraderie against the encroaching darkness. It is meet and fitting both that such a bold company of heroes should survive the birthing hands of its founders. How else that the dream of freedom wrought in blood and sacrifice be passed from past to future, and the promise of brighter times to come? So I say long live the NBA. For now my work is done." Unquote. It was a really amazing moment in the EVE Online community. A voice that had guided and shaped the community since the beginning just wasn't there anymore. And without that voice, Hal Seth Dern had a lot more power to do exactly what he wanted, which was to create that massive alliance in the North. So Hal Seth Dern put a deal on the table after Jade Constantine was gone to form an alliance with the very same pirates who had just invaded, which included the Terra Nova traitors. And regardless of her prior decorum, Jade Constantine and her allies within the alliance went ballistic. They immediately accused Halseth Dern of not appreciating the sacrifices they had gone through in order to push back the pirates, and remember that it was their ships that were destroyed when Terra Nova pulled their little stunt. But Halseth Dern shot back immediately and accused her of being the catalyst for that war in the first place by being too bellicose. And Halseth Dern wrote on the forums, quote, I've gotten to know her these last few months. 
She's a liar and a manipulator, and her only weapon is this forum. She lives for it. If you believe half of anything she ever says, you're a sucker. Being this way, she must always have a target for her only weapon. She has now chosen me to be her new Ragnar. And every one of you who read what she says, believes it, and then regurgitates it as divine scripture is a gullible fool." Unquote. At this point, Jade Constantine and Halseth Durn obviously really hate each other. And it's at this point that very unceremoniously, Jade Constantine, along with her corporation Jericho Fraction, are removed from the New Venal Alliance. A small military corporation called Reikoku quit as well in a show of solidarity with Jade, who had been the one to bring them into the Alliance in the first place. And so, Halseth Dern considers the reputation of the Venal Alliance to have been soiled over the last year by the public bluster of Jade Constantine, and he wants to move the Alliance away from that reputation. Remember, he's ultimately trying to unite the Northern Alliances, and so he gets rid of Jade because he thinks she's the factor that is keeping the North apart. And so the New Venal Alliance is reformed that day as the Phoenix Alliance. You know, rising from the ashes of the past once again. And Halseth Dern was voted its leader by a wide margin. Their new PR writer posted on the forums immediately afterwards saying, quote, Formed from what were once the core corporations of the New Venal Alliance, let it be known that we freely left that organization to be born again under the common interests of prosperity and mutual protection. From this point on, the past remains in the past. References to civil wars, victories, defeats, betrayals, heroics, and feuds associated with past alliances of the Northern Territories are now abolished to material that we consider irrelevant." Unquote. And it's kind of fascinating because you can actually kind of hear Hal Seth Dern's secret desire hiding just behind the words. It's a message that's basically saying, guys, please stop fighting. Let's put all that stuff behind us. We have better things to be doing. And the interview clip I want to play for you in this episode is an excerpt from my conversation with a character that we haven't had a chance to introduce yet because his main role in the story hasn't started yet. He was an onlooker through the events that we've been describing so far, uh, but he'll become more important in the next episode. For now, he's just an excellent source for trying to understand what happened here almost 15 years ago. He went by the name Cochise in-game, uh, but you'll hear him refer to himself as Ko from time to time, which was kind of like his nickname. Later in the story, he'll eventually become the leader of the Phoenix Alliance, uh, but here's him explaining to me uh, how Jade Constantine actually played a pivotal role in the founding of his own corporation, which was called 20th Legion, which I think really speaks to the interconnectedness and the tangled nature of this story. He's going to start out by briefly mentioning something called the Biomass War, which was some type of minor conflict from his personal past that didn't really register on the scale of galactic events in EVE, uh, but was still a really major event for him and his people, so when you hear him say that, you'll know what he's talking and, about. Um, Here's Coach. We got there, we fought through the bio Biomass War, most of us lost everything we had, and our CEO mm. just disappeared. So I went to Jade and I asked Jade if we could have some help and reform a new corporation. Therein lies the birth of 20th Legion. And Jade and the rest of the Alliance were a major asset to us. Mm -hmm. They gave mm -hmm. us ships, they gave us blueprints, they gave us ISK. For that reason, I felt a, a, a real sense of uh, friendship with Jade. Jade had this idea that she wanted to make Venal a free zone. And she was all about, you know, building this huge empire of free trade and stuff where people could come out of empire space and move up there and 
they could bring their wares up and sell them in our stations and all this stuff. And House of Dern of Oberon Corporation, they did not want that. These were pirates that mm-hmm. had fought and died for this chunk of space, and they didn't want a bunch of free roamers coming up here. If you weren't a member of our alliance and you showed up on our doorstep, you died. So the idea of an influx of all these people coming out of empire and taking over our area was just unheard of. And a huge argument erupted, culmination of which Jade took um, her corporation out of the alliance, and they headed back to empire. And Mm -hmm. Jade, you know, the the old saying, the pride of the Englishman, you know, he was hurt bad. And he went back to empire um, and started plotting his revenge, so to speak. And so at this point in the story, we have to kind of stop and take stock of just what has exactly happened here in the first half of the story, because it's easy to get lost in the moment-to-moment events and miss the overarching message here. Essentially, what has happened is that the forces that once controlled the Nuvinal Alliance lost their grip on power, and the other leaders within the Alliance who controlled powerful corporations were able to swoop in and accumulate that power. No matter what the leaders of the Nuvinal Alliance did, It seems they kept making the same mistake, which was essentially to think that their roleplay and their bluster would be able to keep them in power over those with military and monetary power. And the ultra-rich mining corporations continued to accumulate that power. And this becomes the new normal in the North. The Phoenix Alliance has successfully seized power. Jericho Fraction and Jade Constantine, as well as their military right-hand Reikoku, went their separate ways, and the Phoenix Alliance was left to be ruled by three corporations, Rona Corporation, Oberon Incorporated, and this group called Cyberdyne Industries, who will become important later. And it's at this time in EVE Online's history when the game's developer introduced a big change, and it'll be one of the main forces that's going to upend the structure of the Northern Powers that be at this time. Because anytime you introduce a change into a closed system, it's going to produce a ripple effect, and in this case, the change is going to be one of the driving forces pushing forward this era of history. CCP Games introduced the idea of conquerable stations. Now, you could always conquer stations in EVE Online, but it was a very informal system. In order to dominate a station, you needed to maintain control of it 24 hours a day, or else your enemies could just come back and retake it while you weren't there. But in 2004, as this story is taking place, CCP Games introduced a new type of station that could be captured officially. And when you did capture it, there would be defenses put in place that would make it difficult to retake, and you would be able to make it so that your enemies couldn't dock in that station whether you were there or not, unless they retook it. What this meant was that you could actually be a smaller alliance and just take one or two stations out in the far reaches of EVE Online and build yourself this little homestead away from the largest alliances. And so there was this large amount of territory where individual corporations held these sort of tiny fiefdoms of just one or two starbases in the less populated regions. And because of this, they were very weakly allied. They were very small, so they didn't really have formal ties with each other. And because they were so weakly allied, they looked like easy pickings to players who were really strong combat pilots. And a pirate alliance named Forsaken Empire started assembling ships to go on a campaign to take over sort of the southern region of the northern territories. Forsaken Empire already controlled two whole regions in the northeast called Geminate and Vale of the Silent, and it wanted more. Forsaken Empire used its members' superior knowledge of combat, they were pirates, not miners after all, 
to begin storming the northern regions and taking stations in mostly abandoned regions and places with these weak governments that we were talking about earlier. And they begin striking in the weaker border regions around the Phoenix Alliance. As Forsaken Empire begins to grow and begins to accumulate territory, they start using that growing influence to subjugate other groups nearby as well. And they started expanding their diplomatic reach. And before long, everybody in the north started taking notice of Forsaken Empire's ambitions, even though they were just a pirate organization. And we're not going to get super deep into the story of what's about to happen, not because it isn't interesting, but because we're trying to cover ground relatively quickly here and not get infinitely bogged down in every detail and side story, which is a real hazard when you're trying to keep the narrative straight in a really complicated story like this where there are so many different parties involved. But basically what happens is that Forsaken Empire keeps reaching farther and farther east from their bases in Geminate and the Vale of the Silent regions. This alliance that they engineered essentially controlled the regions of Tribute and Fade as well. And so this is sort of a, a huge empire that's being carved out by people who were at the time considered pirates. But eventually, it becomes clear that they aren't going to stop their conquering spree. And they're not going to be satisfied with the four regions that they've already conquered. And so all of those small individual groups, those homesteaders that we talked about, uh, in the region that was next up for Forsaken Empire's conquest, which was a region called Declan, which is directly to the north of the region Fade. And in Declan, the corporation Reikoku, we talked about earlier, had built themselves one of these small homesteads and it was being threatened, and Reikoku starts helping to form essentially a defensive coalition within Declan, which they called the Coalition of Declan. And so Reikoku and a couple of the other northern forces start taking notice of Forsaken Empire's you know, expansionist ambitions, and they start forming defense gangs to go out and challenge the Forsaken Empire main fleets. And over the course of a month, every single weekend, there's a battle being fought in the region of Fade between the Forsaken Empire main fleet and this burgeoning group of allies led by Reikoku, just one region to the north, that was becoming better and better organized. But the key thing about this is that the battles are happening right in the middle of the region of Fade, and the alliance that held Fade on behalf of the Forsaken Empire is getting really badly roughed up in all of these battles. And to make matters worse, their space just isn't safe anymore. They're being raided constantly, and their ships are being destroyed, and their members are starting to get annoyed. And so weekend after weekend, Reikoku and the Coalition of Declan are coming back into Fade to challenge Forsaken Empire's main fleet, and five weekends in a row, they form a fleet, fly directly into Fade, and all five weekends they're beaten and pushed back by the Forsaken Empire fleet, sometimes brutally. Forsaken Empire just has too many members and too many replacement ships, and so every time a battle breaks out, their pilots can fly back to a station once they're destroyed, go get a new ship, and then come back. And if the battle starts to go poorly, Forsaken Empire had a lot more people, so they could often call up reinforcements. But on the sixth weekend, the same two fleets gathered, only Rikoku wasn't there for the main battle because Reikoku's leaders had been watching Forsaken Empire and had figured out by now where their reinforcements were coming from. And so Reikoku splinters off from the main coalition of Declan Defense Force. And while the main battle gets underway in Fade once again, Reikoku is five jumps away, intercepting all of Forsaken Empire's replacement ships that are arriving in staggered numbers and destroying them before they even have a chance to get to the battle. 
And so after destroying a number of small reinforcement fleets kind of unopposed, Reikoku then turns around and sets a course for the main battle, where the rest of the coalition of Declan had been kind of holding their own, waiting for the reinforcements to arrive. And now Reikoku added their strength to the rest of the fleet, and Forsaken Empire was pushed out of the region of Fade for the first time. And the conclusion of the story of the Forsaken Empire comes relatively rapidly after this, but the reason why is actually pretty fascinating. The Fade Union, which held Fade on behalf of Forsaken Empire, decides that there's no point in continuing their relationship with Forsaken Empire if Forsaken Empire can't even protect them. And so Fade Union leaves that alliance and approaches the Coalition of Declan and Rikoku for clemency. The Coalition of Declan says, you know, that's fine, you can be forgiven, but you have to help us destroy Forsaken Empire so this never happens again. And the Fade Union agrees to those terms and declares war on Forsaken Empire. And with their newly combined forces, the Coalition of Declan and the Fade Union form a massive fleet intending to fly into Forsaken Empire territory and begin, you know, this protracted campaign to destroy it. But when they arrive in Forsaken Empire territory, they don't find any fleets that are capable of challenging them. And the reality is that even though Forsaken Empire was still this really spectacularly talented military force, they had been crumbling from within, from the stress of constantly having to fight months of battles. And when their fleet was destroyed and the Fade Union turned against them, a lot of their members decided that the Alliance was a lost cause. They had lost heart. And when you look into the history of how all of this went down, one of the main reasons that Forsaken Empire pilots give for this disaster is the online fantasy game Lineage 2. Because Forsaken Empire also had a Lineage 2 wing of their organization, and when their EVE ambitions started to falter, a lot of people gave up on EVE and joined the Lineage 2 wing of the group, and suddenly they couldn't get more than a dozen people online to actually show up for fleet operations. Which is, you know, it's equal parts hilarious and fascinating, but it's also really recognizably human. There's something about this story that really reflects to me the reality of life on the internet for a lot of these players. If your players lose hope in their leader's vision in this game, they might just go play another game entirely. Forsaken Empire is eventually pushed all the way back to its single home region, in the region of Geminate, and the rest of its empire, the regions of Tribute and Veil of the Silent, were kind of left in limbo. Nobody really knew what to do with them. Nobody knew exactly who controlled that territory, they just knew they didn't want Forsaken Empire to control it. And so the major groups in the north get together in a big meeting, and they're trying to figure out what to do with these regions. You know, these regions have now been the staging ground for two pirate invasions, and remember how people at this time thought about pirates, and so they're all trying to figure out how to solve this power vacuum and keep it from becoming a staging ground for pirates in the future. None of them individually want to control it, they just don't have the personnel to defend, you know, massive empires. And Halseth Dern sees this as an opportunity to achieve his greatest goal, uniting the Northern Alliances. And so all of the Northern Alliances decide to form a truce. The Coalition of Declan, the Fade Union, and the Phoenix Alliance form what is called the Northern Alliance's Security Treaty, or the NAST. As a part of the Phoenix Alliance forming, we formed this organization called NAST, N-A-S-T. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what it stood for now. 
but the, the deal was that all the northern alliances around us and all, we were going to be friends. You know, we weren't going to kill you, you're not going to kill us, blah, blah, blah. But also, as part of its terms, it also creates sponsored military patrols for tribute and Veil of the Silent. It essentially turns those regions into this sort of free space protectorate under the three main alliances of the region. So the way it's going to work is that nobody is actually going to control those territories, but everybody will contribute to basically a peacekeeping force that will run off any pirate groups that start to form. And everybody in the north is pretty happy with this arrangement, except for Reikoku. Because in Reikoku's view, Phoenix Alliance had just sort of waltzed in at the last minute, patted everybody on the back for destroying Forsaken Empire, and then decided that everybody in the North should share equally in the spoils after Forsaken Empire left. And this was really offensive to some of the people who had actually done all of that work to push Forsaken Empire back. And then Hal Seth Dern went one step further. He put a deal on the table for the Northern Alliance's security treaty to form another treaty with Forsaken Empire which really reinforced the idea that Phoenix Alliance did not appreciate what their allies had accomplished in that war, and kind of made them look sympathetic to Forsaken Empire, which may not actually be true, but the optics of the situation were what they were, and people saw it as sort of deeply uncool. And things got really heated in the northern regions as everyone started casting a very skeptical eye at one another. And as with so many of these situations in EVE, the details of what causes the spark are actually not really all that important. Basically what happens is that everybody's tensions are really high at this time, and there's a group of players within the Phoenix Alliance who just aren't taking this seriously. They're very much mocking Reikoku and harassing their ships in secret, you know, for lulls basically. And the corporation is called Cyberdyne Industries. And they were considered kind of jokesters. They were considered really funny pilots, and so they got away with a lot. And for weeks, they're poking at Reikoku, and then frantically denying it. And so they would fly into Reikoku territory, destroy a couple of ships, and then pretend it didn't happen. And then they would get the leadership of the Phoenix Alliance to kind of sweep it all under the rug, to make it go away. And so when Reikoku complains and complains about the attacks, nothing happens. And here's a clip from my conversation with the second leader of the Phoenix Alliance uh, as he gives a little background on this. And in the clip ahead, he's going to refer to the corporation Reikoku, who we've been talking about, as uh, RKK. And that abbreviation is basically just sort of their official corporate abbreviation, sort of like the stock exchange. But just so you know who he's talking about, RKK is the same as Reikoku. A member of RKK, Reikuku, and Jake Con they were they became buddy buddies. Anyway, they were down in Vale of Silent, and supposedly a couple of members of Cyberdyne Corporation, a PA member, Krolls at the helm as CEO, K-R-U-L-L-Z, they shot at some of the RKK members. They shot at him and griefed them. And House of called a meeting, we got in there and talked about it, and it was vehemently denied by Krolls and other members that say that they were there, that anything like that happened. So you got RKK and Jade saying, you broke the nast, you did this, you bad boy. And then you got over here on our side of the ledger, we're thinking, you know, this, she's making this up because yeah. we kicked her out. And that was Spark that set it off. And finally, one day, Reikoku snaps. With tensions as high as they are, Reikoku gives up on the idea of a peaceful resolution and begins secretly mobilizing to start a war. 
The beginning spark of what would later become known as the Great Northern War had already happened, but nobody yet knew what they were involved in. In the next episode, we'll be telling the story of how Reikoku prepared for a war against an adversary 20 times its size, and how this war led to the creation of the most dominant military power in EVE Online history. And it's ultimately just such a good story, and to me it represents the first time that this massive social experiment that is EVE Online really comes to a head. The Venal Civil War was a very regional conflict. It was pretty localized to specifically the region of Venal. But the Great Northern War is really the first time that the entire community of EVE Online had to stop and take notice of a political conflict. And it's the first time that you start to see people worrying about a situation spiraling out of control and spreading across the entire game universe. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. I've really been enjoying putting this together for you all, and the response has just been wonderful so far. Thank you so much to everyone uh, who's reached out with encouragement and compliments. It honestly really means a lot to me, so thank you so much for doing that. On another note, some people have asked uh, me what the schedule for this show is going to be like. Uh, this show is something that I produce in my spare time, so it's not going to be something that goes weekly anytime soon, but I'm planning on it being you know, about monthly, but probably irregular. So there may not be an episode each month, but I think it'll average out over time to be about an episode per month. I'm most interested in just sort of consistently banking stories and getting these out there in this format so that anybody who wants to listen and learn something about modern virtual worlds can do that. I'll be back soon with the conclusion to the Great Northern War. As always, the full story of the early era of EVE Online's history is available in my book, Empires of EVE, A History of the Great Wars of EVE Online, which is available on both Amazon and Audible. Thanks for listening.